Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe. And as always, I'm joined by former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And we've got another busy show. Looking back at England's first victory of the winter so far as they level the five-match series against the West Indies at 1-1. We'll get the lowdown from the Caribbean with our commentator Barry Wilkinson and hear exclusively from England fast bowler Rhys Topley. As well as that, Indian cricket writer Anant Vasu will discuss a tough tour for India of South Africa. And we end by discussing a couple of coaching changes in the county championship. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. And of course, it's not just Barry Wilkinson who's in Barbados, because... Harmy's there as well, enjoying some winter sunshine. Can you believe that's England's first win of the winter, Harmy? Uh, well, to be honest, the way England batted, I'm not surprised it's the first win of the winter. It is a surprise that it's the first win of the winter in the Ashes, but I was uh, surprised by the first game. I thought West Indies came out, traps, all guns blazing, and I thought they're fielding in particular especially when you think they went to the World T20 on similar surfaces to what they're playing on in Barbados. And they give a little sort of benefit, a benefit tournament to about five or six old blokes who couldn't move. And then now they've, they've got a dynamic field inside. They've got bowlers that can bowl quickly. And if they get the top order right, give themselves a chance. We've seen how devastating the lower middle, lower middle, middle to lower order can be. There's been two fascinating games, but... Uh, England bounced back, five overs to go in that second game, and you were you were shaking hands. It was like there's no no way that West Indies will get with anywhere near it, and you, it's it's amazing what you chance your arm and you've got a bit of freedom, and you think got nothing to lose here. Crash bang wallop, let's see where we can have a go. And England England buckled under pressure. That was something that was not only surprising, it was quite worrying to be honest. So the questions about death bowling overs uh, remain. Owen Morgan has um, unshakable faith in, in Chris Jordan. I don't know whether, I mean, are you being a bit harsh on Saqib Mahmood? I mean, you know, do we make a judgment on him on, on the on basis that he um, developed severe wheel wobble in that end of one game? Not really. I think if he's in a Lancashire shirt, he, he nails his Yorker and goes off, not a problem because he's in an England shirt, because this is a group that's trying to impress the England captain, because, you know, let's be fair, Owen Morgan picks a side and he does the final say on everything that goes with the white ball team. And it's such a strong team to get into, or it's a difficult team to get into. Saki Mahmood possibly was thinking, overthinking, maybe he's trying a bit too hard, but he was also in a, in a way which their game plan was wide Yorker. Well, He'd already bowled two wides in that over from a wide Yorker. You need 20 off three balls. And 
these guys are hitting the ball out of the park comfortably. I think it was just a case of needs must. Let's just get three straight balls going. If he hits me for three sixes, we still win the game. But I'm not giving them a chance to win by bowling wide Yorkers and bowling, potentially bowling a wide and bringing them back into the game. So he was in a, he was in a situation where a little bit of karma, I think if he had just took his time a little bit more, might have been a different out, difficult, different outcome. But on that, I'm not going to knock the kid for for you know for he, he missed his he missed his length. That's all he did. Let's remind ourselves of what Owen Morgan said about those Yorkers and mm, missed Yorkers after the game. Every team in the world is trying to get better at it. It is the hardest job in T20 cricket is to bowl death. Death bowling, um, I probably have to be honest, conditions did get a little bit better towards the end. The ball did skid on as opposed to our innings in the first innings. Um, but ultimately, we, we need to find better ways of going about it. Our execution was nowhere near as good as we, we would like. Um, and we'd like it to be up there with the best in the world. I'm, I'm guessing that there are, there'll be folks out at home going Yorker. Why aren't, why aren't the guys going for Yorker? Why is it length? Can you can you can you enlighten them? Tell tell them why that's yeah, been, that's yeah such a we are. Thing. We're just getting it wrong. Okay. Um, so the majority of our plan today was to bowl Yorkers, use the, the long side, and we missed. Um, and that, that's been brutally honest. The guys are always honest with, with executing in order to try and uh, move on, identify areas that we can get better, and this is definitely one of them. So in Morgan, being uh, brutally honest, without throwing his bowlers under the bus, he, just, he did uh, tell the truth. But um, they, they missed their targets. Yeah, they, they were trying to bowl Yorkers, they, and they missed their length by quite a lot. Is criticism fair? I mean, they are international bowlers. I know it's not easy, you know, and club cricketers around the world will know it's not easy to hit Yorker length, but they were missing them by quite a lot. Yeah, that's the thing that worried me a little bit. The worrying thing for me is, I think two out of the three Yorkers that was missed length trying to go for Yorkers would have bounced over the top of the stumps. That's missed your length by quite a bit for an international bowler. I could understand a club bowler bowling there, but not an international bowler. So that that concerned me a little bit. But look, pressure is when we what we want out of this one day, oh, this twenty twenty tournament, this little mini tournament that we've got here, five games on Barbados. We want to see what other people can do. We've got no Archer, no Wood, no Wokes from a bowling department. You know, we've got no Stokes, we've got no Bairstow, no Milan in the batting department. So what's, you know, Reese Topley got in his armoury? Well, we've seen it was very, very good at the top of the order. What's Saki Mahmood got at the death? Because that's what we are looking for. You know, Darren Goff-style skiddy trajectory into the Yorker. And then, obviously, the, the likes of Tom Banton, James Vince at the top of the order... What have they got to... They're never going to put pressure on the six guys' names I've mentioned, but you know, they've got to be able to be in a position where if any one of these misses their games, gets injured because international sport, the way it is, the calendar's congested, that you have to be ready to go. So when Morgan was asked right at the top, what is it about this series you need? It's exposure and experience and seeing what these young guys have got. And let's see what happens on Wednesday because there's no doubt Morgan will throw them back in and say, you've got another chance to redeem yourself. Well, you can always rely on Mo uh, to um, throw a constellation arm around your shoulder if you're having a bad night. And this is what he had to say about Saqib Mahmood. He's still young. He's still finding his way. I mean, he's been in and around the squad after bowling so well in the summer in England. It just shows that different conditions. You've got to bowl differently. And I'm sure he'll be thinking about things that he can improve on. Uh, but he's got so much talent and someone like him. You've got to go through this to get better. And I'm sure he'll be taking this as a as a lesson and uh, hopefully he can learn from it. But he's got so much uh, ability that is hopefully... I always believe it's good sometimes for a young batsman to fail a little bit and a young bowler to, to get hit because you can only learn from that. And uh, I'm sure he's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, he... Uh... He's been through worse things. I'm quite sure, Sakib Mahmood. He is still quite young, but he's played a lot of cricket. He started early. And you mentioned Rhys Topley as well there, so let's concentrate on uh, on the good. He was outstanding. This was Rhys Topley after the game. I'm not saying you want those scenarios, but you just have to be sort of hungry when the ball's thrown to you. It, it, you're always going to, especially as a seamer, you're always going to bowl either up top or at the death. And I think you've got to not shy away from, uh, 
from those. And I think once you realise you're going to be on the bad side of some and you're going to be on the good side of some, it's, it's a bit, you know, I'd, I'd almost say it's like a keeper in a penalty shootout where no one expects you to save it. But, you know, same with the death. Like, no one expects you to not get hit for a boundary, but it's almost like you're ruining the party a bit by, uh, you know, just going for ones and stuff like that. But I just stood at the back of my mark and I just said to Morgs, what, what field do you want? Where do you want me to bowl it? And he said, here. And then at the top of your mark, I think, the hardest thing as a fast bowler is just committing at the top of your mark. You've got to separate the what's happened before in the game um, and just focus on on the now because I, I think I think that's just a fast bowler's challenge. You get flustered sometimes. You get carried away with emotions. You know the home crowd got very noisy towards the end, and you've got to you know isolate each ball and just you know focus on it really. We clearly enjoyed it, uh, Reese Topley. So is is he is he the answer? Does he? Does he get rotated with Timor Mills and, and Joffre Archer? Um, with Timor Mills, yes. Joffre Archer, no. If Joffre Archer's fit, Joffre Archer never gets rotated, in my opinion. <laughs> the boy's out here. He's enjoying some home comforts and sunshine. And if, as soon as he's fit, he plays. It's as simple as that. And I ain't rotating Joffre Archer, even if there's any question marks on him. I'm, I'm not rotating him. He's fantastic. Um, so I think the Mills and... Topley one is an interesting one because if you're trying to build a unit which is not only successful but robust and a team that's got plans going in and making it difficult for the opposition, Mills and Topley are two bowlers you can't really hang your hat on. You can on foot and ability, but I'm not sure you can make long-term plans on how you're going to go about your job and have them in it because... We've seen many, many times so far in their careers where the player tournament, they're absolutely amazing. And then you don't see them for three tournaments. And that is something that I think Owen Morgan and the select, selection panel of, of you know, Paul Collingwood will have in their mind that probably at this minute in time, like we did Saturday, Sunday, we'll see Mills play one game, we'll see Topley play another game. You know, I'd like to see them play both together in the same side and whether Morgan can do that on Wednesday and say, right, we've got a couple of days in between. Mills and Topley play Wednesday, and then one of them plays Saturday and the other one plays Sunday. That could be the interesting way, way to go. I'd like to see them both play together because they're, they're different. They are, they're really different. One's quick through the air, skilly trajectory, and the other one hits the pitch hard. And I thought Reese Topley bowled a fantastic first over, and I thought he bowled a brilliant 19th over um, when you know the wheels were coming off a little bit. So finally, in this section, um, I've, I admit that I'm obsessed with context and series having context, which is why I love the World Cup Super League so much and, uh, and the World Test Championship. This uh, series doesn't have a context like that, except that in nine months' time, England go to Australia for another T20 World Cup. So given that the most important context perhaps is that this is an opportunity for new players to stake their claim to impress Morgan, does that sometimes hinder a team's ability to play as a cohesive team and play for each other? I mean, you've got individuals pushing their own cases. I'm not saying they're being selfish, but it it does sometimes hinder the environment, doesn't it? It can do, but I don't think with this team it will because Morgan doesn't allow it. I don't think Morgan allows it. I think they have to come in and buy into what you know, the big plan is and the, the big picture is, even though Owen Morgan has said at the toss twice now, I don't mind us batting first because we're not very, basically we're not very good at it and we need to improve at it. And it's up to these guys to, to, to stand up and, and show what, the, what they're worth. I think these two captains have been, I think they're brilliant, a breath of fresh air. Karen Pollard as well. I think the two of them, the way they go about their interviews, very, very straight talking at the point, the points of their career, which is they're nearer the end than, than they are at the start. So they are quite happy to say the, take the honest approach. But they're also very, very good in, in the game situation. And I think that, for me, is why when you say there's the context on the on this series might not be towards yeah, world, te- world championship points, but I actually think it's it's making a, it'll, the both captains will make it a good series because of who's playing and how he wants these to play because he needs them to learn very very quickly that if we do lose a Stokes a Butler or a Besto or one of the bowlers that these have got to be ready and not only ready they've got to perform and if they don't perform well then they'll find themselves quickly out the side. 
Well, delighted to say, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined live from Barbados by Barry Wilkinson, who's part of the TalkSport 2 commentary team. Barry, thanks so much for your time. A couple of very interesting games to, to kick off. Um, but what, and we were just discussing England's objectives for this series. How would you describe the home team's objectives? What, what, what are they looking to achieve apart from winning? I think they're looking to achieve a level of competitiveness, which they have not done for the last year and a half. They've been blown over in most of the T20s that they've played in. You look at the World Cup, that was a disaster. A lot of the old guard, as you would call them, uh, represented the West Indies, but they did not turn up. So we are, they thought that they were picking the best team when they were not getting the best out of the team. Russell was not getting uh, results for the West Indies. Gale was playing, but not getting results for the West Indies. Uh, Lendl Simmons was playing, but not getting results for the West Indies. It was a disaster. And now you're seeing that they've, they've shed those players. They've now brought in some new ones. So they're trying now to get as competitive as possible, even if they just don't win, at least be competitive and then work up towards uh, that winning habit again. And there's some bright players now, Barry, in this West Indian side. I can think of the likes of Odin Smith. Even though he didn't get a bowl, I just wonder how his confidence would have been by not bowling in that first game, in that, sorry, second game. Romario Shepherd, Akil Hussain, we've seen how devastating they could be. Did the, did the West Indies make a mistake in the World G20 by the surfaces they were playing on, which were a lot similar out in the UAE to, to Barbados, that instead of going for the benefit tournament for the likes of the names you've just mentioned, go with some of the younger guys and give them some, some experience going forward? They made a huge mistake, and I'll tell you why. The criteria, the criteria in the West Indies, the Cricket West Indies selection policy is form, performance and fitness commitment those are four of the main criteria so I was amazed to see that in the Caribbean Premier League which is where they choose the players from Odin Smith and persons like Romario Shepard have been performing have had good form have had good fitness have been extremely committed and they were omitted when there were other players who have not been performing that have not had performances consistently throughout the years have been have been getting a play so Odie Smith and, of course, uh, someone like the Romario Shepherd should have definitely gone to the UAE and played in the World Cup. Dominic Drake's as well. These are players who have uh, really um, made their play for the West Indies. And I'm just very surprised and astonished that they didn't get a play there. Um, I'm hoping that the confidence level of Odie Smith doesn't dip because he only bowled one over on Saturday. Didn't bat, of course, they won by nine wickets. And then he, he didn't bowl at all on Sunday, which is absolutely amazing. Kyron Pollard bowled all four of his overs. So uh, these are things that you have to, to, to be wary of. These are things that, these are red flags that I think I'm, I'm watching carefully and just wondering if, you know, some of these players feel like, look, perhaps they feel like if they're not needed, then the old guard wants to do it all by themselves. And what will Shimon Hetmeyer be thinking at this minute in time? If, if the West Indies go and do, do all right, maybe win a game, win another game, potentially win this series, would he be thinking, right, I need to book my ideas up fitness-wise? Or is he of a character, the arrogance or the ego of a character to go, I'm not bothered, I'll just go and play in the IPL. I'm quite happy eating my fish and chips and you know, getting bigger and bigger. If you don't want me to play, I'm not that bothered. Well, you talk about playing the IPL. I don't know about that because he, he was not retained. He now has to try and get in the auction. And unfortunately for him, he's playing in the PSL, but then he got COVID, so he's not playing. Oh. Life is funny. Life has a way of, of, of biting you in the behind if you don't be careful. Um, you know, he, he could very well find himself not playing IPL, um, not playing for West Indies, and all of a sudden you're fighting to get back. To, to playing again and getting a contract for the West Indies. Fitness, the IPL as well, don't play with fitness. So don't make any mistake about it. He, he can't think that I'm not going to be fit to get in the West Indies and I, I will be unfit to play IPL. They won't entertain that. Look, the IPL dropped Gale. They recognise that Chris Gale is, is, is not what he used to be and, and they dropped him. They dropped Nicholas Puran. The IPL is not playing like before. They're, they're, yes, they're highly commercial, but they're also very competitive. And if you're not going to be giving them what they want, if you're not going to have the intrinsic value that you're giving your country, then I don't recognize the IPL as someone who, who, who's too, too happy about you. So he has to really take a look at what he wants to achieve and go after it in a more professional manner. I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you, Barry, if I may. Um, I really like the look of um, Akil Hussain from the moment I saw him as a bowler and uh, as a fielder as well. But I didn't know he could bat, and I suspect he didn't either until that uh, that second game. 
Is that the most unlikely innings you've ever seen? And what was his record before that game? He has a, he has a century in first class cricket, so he's not a spring chicken with the bat. But having said that, he's been around for a very long time. He's played for he's a Trinidadian, but he's played for the Barbados Tridents in the Caribbean CPL T20 League for quite a while. And uh, now he's playing back again, of, of course, for his home side. Uh, in fact, when he was only 17, 18 years old, his talent was recognized. His ability was recognized. But uh, he didn't come on as quickly uh, after getting that push to play. So I think that in the last two, three seasons, he's one of these players that has taken like wine to mature. He has matured as he's gotten older. He has not been the instantly talented person like a Puran or Hetmar. Now he's late 20s. He's now beginning to show that he had that potential about him. So perhaps in the next five, six years might be his purple patch. But he's now beginning to show his worth, especially as a, a bowler who's very tight, keeps things really tight, feels very well. You saw the catches that he took at the World Cup. You saw the energy he brought. Uh, I think I would say that he's, the investment that they showed in him about, about 10 years ago is now beginning to pay off. And the second question I wanted to put to you was, um, we need to talk about Jason Holder, as uh, it says in the, in the film. Um, it, there's a feeling, I know that, I again, I've got a massive soft spot for him. I think he's incredibly talented uh, cricketer. I just wonder, what, why is it that he appears to us outside of the Caribbean to be underappreciated in the region and more valued and more highly appreciated uh, in the rest of the world? I don't think Jason Holder has healed from being dropped as the captain of the ODI team. It was not done in a very professional manner, if you ask me. And I think Jason might have been caught up as being part of the politics of Cricket West Indies. When he was picked to be captain in 2015, there was this very big internal struggle. Uh, people didn't think that he, he should have been captain because there was still Gale around, there was still Bravo around, there was still Pollard. Uh, you know, there were still these players who many felt should have been given the opportunity. Clive Lloyd didn't think so. The, the then president didn't think so. And they, they gifted Jason the, the captaincy. And we all know how that went. Things didn't go very well for the West Indies in ODI cricket. And then the way he was taken down as captain, I don't get a sense of feeling that the communication aspect of how it was done was done correctly. And he, he might still very well be healing from that for some reason. His batting has fallen away. Uh, his bowling has continued to, to, to you know, move on from strength to strength. But you called it correctly. He, he doesn't seem to be appreciated as much in the West Indies as perhaps uh, some other players. And it's amazing because you're looking at one of the best talents that we've got in the Caribbean. I just think he has to go there and let his performances do the talking all of the time. I'm very concerned though that his batting as all-rounder, if he had to make the team now, he wouldn't make it as a batsman. He would make it as a bowling all-rounder because his batting has not lived up to the expectations that, uh, that it should have. I mean, you're talking about someone who's got three test centuries. You're talking about someone who, who has done, he's got a couple of 90s in ODIs. He should be doing much better with the bat, but he's not. And I'm just wondering if it's because he's being tossed around in the order. One minute he's at three to pitch it. The next minute he's batting at eight, sometimes nine. So look, what is your role for Jason Hall as a batsman? That has to be identified and a bit more clearly. And he has to be treated more as a senior player because he is. But sometimes you just get the feeling that he's just treated as a normal player in the team and he shouldn't be. Somebody else who's a senior player who's been around, I couldn't, I couldn't believe when you told me this uh, on commentary at, on Sunday night, that Dwayne, uh, Darren Bravo had made his debut in 2010 um, and he still hasn't had many 50s when it comes to the shorter format of the game. Is the top order a concern for the West Indies? Bearing in mind the power they've got from seven down over. You know, is Jason Holder one place too high? It's Karen Pollard. He bats six for Mumbai Indians. Is he one place too high? Is Bravo the problem in that in that top order? Puran has looked scratchy. So is there anybody else that potentially could come in to balance that side out at the top of the order to, to get them off to a sort of better start to give the lower order some sort of chance to win the game as opposed to what we seen the other night? You know, uh, let me start first of all with Darren Bravo. Absolutely amazing. Darren Bravo made his T20 debut before Virat Kohli. Go and check it if you doubt. And you're talking about someone who has never scored a 50 in T20 cricket for the West Indies. His highest score is 43. He's, he's played longer in terms of years than 
almost anyone. He's played longer than Root. Root made his T20 debut for England in 2012. And you're talking about someone who's now a frontline batsman for the West Indies, who has played 12 years or over 12 years and has not made a 50 in cricket yet in T20s. And he's the frontline, one of the frontline batsmen. It just makes me wonder as to what really the selectors are looking at when they look at the criteria and the rule of law of picking these teams. Now, Darren has done well for the, in the Caribbean Premier League in the T20 leagues. But then, given the, the little opportunities that he's had for the West Indies, he has it. So I'm just, I'm just a bit bewildered as to what has happened there with his career. We, he did have that impasse with the president in 2016. He didn't play, I think, for about three, three seasons or so. Um, but even if you strain that out, you're still left with a player who, having made his debut in 2010, now scratching in 2012, it doesn't look good. Uh, when it comes to Kyron Pollard, I've said this before, I've said it again, Kyron's reputation in terms of, uh, for the West Indies, his reputation is bigger than his runs. He averages mid-20s. He's done tremendously well for Mumbai Indians. He's probably one of their best players ever. But for the West Indies, Kyron has not been consistent. And that's, that is a worry for me as a, as a, as a, a commentator. Uh, if I had to take my commentary hat off and, and think as a fan, I'd be saying to myself, well, why am I cheering for Kyron Pollard? He's, he's just not a consistent player for the West Indies. These are things that you have to look at. You look at options now. Sherfin Rutherford has been so consistent playing in, in the CPL, and they, they keep saying that he fails the yo-yo test. No, come on. This yo-yo test to me is, is a bunch of hypocrisy. Let's look at let's look at a player like like uh, Jimbo, for example, who's playing in the Test series. Jimbo is a is a hefty guy. I mean, come, it, does he pass the yo-yo test or is he given a different test? You know, <laughs> R- Roston Chase, Roston Chase also said they said they failed the fitness test, and then after failing the fitness test, Roston Chase was the best player uh, for the solution the solution team in the the CPL and got into the World Cup team for the first time last year. You know, there's just too much inconsistencies with picking players and they need to stick to one rule, stick to that rule and continue with it because it's, it's just a, a lot of inconsistencies in when players are picked and how they're selected. Barry. And when I say Jimbo, I'm talking about Raheem Cornwall. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, being able to run two kilometres in eight and a half minutes doesn't generally help you to swing the ball or get turn and bounce, does it? Yeah. Tell me about it. it. Barry, keep up the great work. We look forward to your commentary in the last uh, three games. Fantastic. Thanks Thanks for your time, mate. Thank you See so much. Pleasure. See you later. That was Barry Wilkinson, part of the commentary team. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And just a reminder, you can hear the remaining three T20s between the West Indies and England uh, and uh, the three test matches as well in March, exclusively live ball-by-ball right here on TalkSport 2. Listen online on DAB Radio, on the TalkSport app, or ask your smart speaker to play TalkSport 2. Next up, though, we look back at a tough tour of South Africa for India. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, 
including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And as always, if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Delighted to say our uh, featured guest of this episode is Anand Vasu to look back at what I've already said as a tough tour of South Africa for India which Anand's going to talk us through. There's so many talking points, and I know Harmi's bursting with questions. Virat Kohli's resignation as Test captain will be top of many people's lists. But but overall, Anand, just, just give us your assessment of, of the tour. I can't think of uh, another tour in which India began with so much expectation and with so much um, hope and positivity and then fin- finished by you know this whole thing being crushed. I mean, the Test Series was one thing. It was good cricket. It was hard cricket. And, and though um, South Africa won the second and third Tests quite comfortably in the end, uh, they were made to work for it. One day, it was a completely different story, completely one-sided. India never looked like they were in the game at all in those three one days. And you mentioned, Man has mentioned, Alan, about the Virat Kohli captaincy decision that I don't think surprised us all with the short format of the game, but... I think it was a huge surprise on the test match side of it. Um, for one, I've always been an advocate of why we've got Virat Kohli, captain of India. Test match cricket will will thrive and survive because of the way he, his outlook is towards it and the way he speaks about test cricket. Um, how concerning is that from an Indian point of view that Virat Kohli is not captain of the test side? It is a concern. <clears throat> for the past few years, Virat Kohli has been not just the captain of the Indian team, but pretty much the most important man in Indian cricket itself. I mean, he's had more say in what happens than administrators and selectors and coaches than anyone else off the field. He's had this uh, presence about him. He's had this almost evangelizing nature when it comes to test cricket. And he's not only about his own performance, but about how the Indian team does and how much test cricket they play. Because there was a time when India were playing a lot of one-day internationals and not so much test cricket consistently. But now India is playing a lot of tests, both home and away. And um, Kohli is a big driving factor behind this. The World Test Championship and winning that is is also a, a major driving factor for this team. Being number one, I, I think, is their um, is their main goal. Something that they not not just want to get there and be there for a little while, but they want to dominate. Like, you know, the Australian team of the 2000s or the West Indian teams of, uh, of the 80s. This team thinks of itself as the best Indian cricket team ever put together. And uh, they feel that the way to prove that is to consistently win test series away and at home. Now, Kohli was the man driving that. With him not being captain anymore, it'll be interesting to see how things go. But he's still very much in the mix. And though he's not going out to the toss and usually losing it, he'll still be very much part of the leadership group. We'll come back to Virat Kohli. Um, and, but I, I just said to Barry Wilkinson, we need to talk about Jason Holder. Uh, with you, um, we need to talk about Rishabh Pant. What a frustrating enigma. I mean, we saw the very best of him and the very worst. I mean, at twice, he catastrophically threw his wicket away. Um, you know, in the third one, Dyer smashing his first delivery to deep point. And then in the second test at the Wanderers, he did something similar. And yet he made 85 glorious runs in the second one, Dyer, and that unbeaten 100 in the third test at Newlands. You know, it just looks like he's playing on a different level when he wants to. Absolutely. And um, the shock, really, of the manner in which he played in the final one day stems from the fact that he seemed to have learned his lesson in the test matches. After throwing it away, Virat Kohli came out and publicly said that, you know, that Pant had made a mistake and that Pant needed to ensure that he doesn't repeat mistakes like that, at least too soon. 
he had said that um, one thing he learned from Mahindra Singh Dhoni was that if you make a major mistake in international cricket, you try not to repeat it for several months. And he said something like 10 months. I think the issue is that Pant doesn't really back himself as much as others back him. Um, it, this might sound like an odd thing to say, given that he steps out to Rabada and tries to hit him out of the ground or does the same in the one days to Lungi. But being fearless is one thing. Being senseless is another. Um, <laughs> Pant, if, he, if Pant took 10 balls, you know, six balls, 10 balls, whatever he needs to get himself in a little bit, to give himself a chance, then the same shot, if he attempts, I think later on in his innings, would probably come off. Or he would be in a, mentally in a better position to choose which ball to try and play that shot to, or which bowler to try and play that shot. When he doesn't do that, when he thinks that every, you know, if he has every shot in the book, he must play all of them in one innings, uh, this is what happens. And I was going to make mention of the Keir Raul, Raul Dravid combination because we've had Virat Kohli, Ravi Shastri, um, and two very strong characters in Virat and, and Ravi. Um, how do you make and what would happen with Keir Raul and, and Raul Dravid moving forward with somewhere like Rishabh Pant? Because I can imagine you know, the completely different ways of dealing with this enigma of what is a fantastic cricketer, but sometimes does brainless things. Yeah, I think um, um, KL Rahul obviously is just settling into the captaincy. So I think he will take a while before he publicly expresses himself a little bit more. Um, I've, have, I've had conversations to people within the, within the Indian team, within that group, and um, they say that he's, he's quite expressive, he's, he's quite emotive, he's quite inspiring within the group. Uh, I think it'll, in, in a while you'll start seeing more of that in his press conferences and his TV appearances and things like that. But it's, it's an interesting situation in that when Ravi Shastri and Virat Kohli were in charge, um, the criticism every now and again was that they were overdoing things, that they were you know, being too aggressive, being in your face, being over the top. Now you have this other combination who's being criticized perhaps for being too laid back, for being too reserved, for not uh, expressing themselves strongly enough. I think the ideal balance is somewhere in the middle. And um, having known Rahul Dravid over the years and KL Rahul since he played under-19 cricket, these are not guys who are shy of having words. These are not guys who are going to hold back when something needs to be said. May not uh, necessarily give Pant the dressing down publicly, but you can be sure words would have been had in the dressing room. A year ago, Anant, uh, maybe even six months ago, there was talk about India, if India fielded two test teams and two ODI teams, the chances that they would meet each other in the final were pretty high. Um, and they've come over to South Africa and without being in any way disparaging about South Africa, this is not a great test team. It's not a great one day team. It's a good one, good, well drilled, hard working. But um, have India really fallen that far that quickly or is it just COVID fatigue? Is it just a, a little pothole on the road? towards the greatness they crave? Well, if you look at India's results over the last year or so, it's been the bowling that's generally done the done, done its job. Even at home in the last year, on pitches that have been particularly helpful to spin bowling, the batsmen have rarely got the scores that they used to once. They, you're not seeing scores of 400, 500. In this, when I was asked to preview the South Africa series, uh, I looked at the two sides and looked at the backing of both sides, you know, on paper and in, on recent form. And, and my thought was that the team that collapses less spectacularly, the team that collapses fewer <laughs> times, yeah. is going to win this. Because there is help for the bowlers. There is, uh, the, 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 both bowling attacks are very good. But neither of these sides make the big runs anymore. South Africa uh, won the Test Series without making 250 in a single innings. I'm not sure that's ever happened before. It just shows that India outdid South Africa in the inconsistency of batting during the series. And did India learn anything from this tour to South Africa going forward? They've got the West Indies and Sri Lanka coming up. Keir Rahul, Rahul Dravid, did they learn about some of the subjects in that side and who they can trust, who they can't trust, who they might need to move on? Was there anything that was glaringly obvious that India will take away from this series in South Africa? Well, I think the most obvious thing is not who, what they learned is not 
about who is there but who is not in this team. I think the importance of Rohit Sharma and Ravindra Jadeja in in kind of balancing out this this side either in Test cricket or in One Day cricket was driven home with the work, workloads that India have at the moment. Uh, it's unrealistic to expect Rohit and Jadeja to be fit all the time uh, or to be available all the time. So the team really must work towards identifying a combination or combinations that can um, do the job when one or both of these players are missing. I don't think they have found that combination yet. They've tried a few things and it's, it's going to take some time. I don't think uh, the pieces are going to fit together immediately for India. Finally, and before I uh, wish you safe travels, um, I know you're still still in South Africa, waiting for your flight in Johannesburg. But uh, um, we heard Barry Wilkinson saying that Jason Holder has never recovered, never healed from um, the clumsy way in which he was removed from the ODI captaincy. We know, I think we know, don't we, that Virat Kohli wanted to lead the team to the 2023 World Cup. He too was awkwardly or clumsily removed from uh, the ODI captaincy. And I thought during the ODI series, he was glaringly inconspicuous. Um, he, he contributed nothing. And, and if you're being charitable, then you would say that he was being respectful and giving KL Rahul the chance to find his own captaincy feat. But he was, he just, I thought he'd be, I thought he was off. You know, I thought, I thought he'd gone off the ground. I mean, he was, he was absolutely a non-contributing senior pro. And I, I just wonder whether he too, do you think, might be, might be hurt that uh, stepping away from the T20 captaincy was, was then, he was forced, if you like, to step away from the ODI captaincy as well. Well, absolutely. When he stepped on from the T20 captaincy, he publicly stated that he wanted to lead India in the 50-over World Cup at 20, in 2023, which is going to be played in India as well. He, this was an ambition of his. This was something he said. But the selectors made it quite clear early on that they were not in favour of uh, two different captains in the white ball team. Their thinking was that the only way this would happen is that is if they went for a really revolutionary, out-of-the-box kind of T20 captain to play a different brand of cricket but they went to Rohit Sharma, who's older than Kohli, who's perhaps more conservative in his approach to captaincy as well. A very creative and intelligent captain, but not one who does uh, outrageous things for the sake of them. Um, so when that happened, when Kohli uh, stepped down from the T20 captaincy, it was his decision. But when he was removed from the 50-over captaincy, it was clearly the selector's decision. And he did not like that. Uh, I don't think Kohli is used to being told no. I don't think Kohli's used to not getting his way or not getting what he wants. I think that definitely played a part in his uh, stepping down from the test captaincy. And in the one day, uh, you expected him to take a backward step and let KL you know, take the lead in terms of a lot of things. But what was surprising was, you know, even in the last one day when he took a catch on the outfield, um, he was tried by the ropes, judged it perfectly, took it, and then kind of just threw the ball back and no celebration, uh, no running to his teammates, none of that, which is you would expect, you would think that a reaction to something on the field, like taking a catch or a wicket falling, is a spontaneous one and, and, and not something that you would control perhaps so carefully. I know that uh, giving KL Rahul his space means uh, not interfering in every decision, not going for the DRS without checking with others. Uh, these things would be valid, but um, not expressing himself as a you know, as a, as a player who had fun on the field, this is not something anyone expected. And I, thank you very much indeed. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you on this uh, series. And um, thank you for your time. And as I said, safe travels. Don't get caught in any COVID bubbles. I hope you pass all your tests on your way back to Bangalore. Thank you so much. We're into part four, where it's uh, the other breaking news stories uh, in England and around the world. Um, and we just said that uh, two massive coaching movements. Yorkshire have appointed Otis Gibson as the uh, county's new head coach, previously working as bowling coach for both England and Bangladesh and head coach of South Africa. So very experienced. While uh, Surrey's head coach, Vikram Solanke, is leaving to join uh, the new um, Ahmedabad IPL franchise as director of cricket rather than uh, as head coach. So, um, big news for those two gentlemen, Harmi, and um, you're obviously been freelancing, consulting at Yorkshire. Um, how's news of Otis's appointment gone down there? Yeah, I think it's gone down really well with 
with the players. I think they didn't see the credibility that Darren Goff has tried to give them with the coach that they've got. Oh, this is a fantastic coach. One of the best bowling coaches I've ever worked with. I shared a dressing room with him as well. Top man. And I think he'll do wonders at, at Yorkshire. The guy is a fantastic cricket coach. He's a, he's a very, very good man. And these, guys, these players are very lucky to have somebody in first-class cricket, a little bit like Mickey Arthur, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, to have Otis Gibson now in first-class cricket, I think can only benefit English cricket going forward. Disappointing about, about Vikram Solanke, but again, if anybody's wondering and worried, about the, where the IPL is taking the game of cricket, then this is the appointment that I think puts a final nail in the coffin that the IPL does take precedence over everything that Vikram's decided to leave a very, very prestigious job at Surrey um, and go off and, and, and work and compete in the IPL. Don't blame him. I'm really pleased for Vic, another, another good friend of mine who has done very well. The one I want to ask you about, though, Manners, is... South Africa have just won 2-1 in the Test Series, 3-0 in the one-day series against one of the greatest sides of all time in, well, in India. I know that a few people missing. But it just seems that Mark Boucher is dead man walking. Is, is it really going to happen? Are they, are they going to sack Mark Boucher? Well, um, before I want to run a conspiracy theory by you before I answer that question. I'm not exactly sure how old Alex Stewart is, but how about this for a, a conspiracy theory? Vikram Solanke goes to the Ahmedabad IPL franchise as director of cricket, not head coach, gathers huge amounts of business acumen, experience, running a massive club, and then in a few years' time returns yeah. to Surrey to take over from Alex Stewart. Could possibly, but Alex Stewart's going nowhere in a, in a, <laughs> in a hurry. Shuey looks a million dollars. Shuey looks as though he's 25, not 55. He looks a million dollars, does the gaffer. So I think Shuey will still be working. If you look at the, the past history of the Stewart family, I think Mickey was still coaching well into his 80s. So yeah. Alex Stewart's going to be at the Oval in a tracksuit with his mitt on for another 20 years yet. <laughs> um, it doesn't look good for, for Mark Boucher. Um, there was... Uh, racist prejudicial language that was used by the whole team 20 years ago paul adams um has testified about about language that he found very offensive that i can't repeat on air um and and then i have to say that cricket south africa charge sheet is it runs to seven pages and this is concerning his time as head coach and it's um the the in it um, racism and subliminal racism are mentioned seven or eight times. He is absolutely determined to, to fight the, the charges. I'll give you one example because we haven't got time to give you any others. Cricket South Africa have implied that Boucher's decision to allow freedom of choice in taking a knee or expressing solidarity with Black Lives Matter and the fight against racism was racist. And, and it, it may well have been prejudicial. I mean, my problem with the word subliminal is that it implies that you're not aware that uh, you're acting in a, in a prejudicial, unfair, biased way. So um, it, there's no doubt in my mind that South Africa made an absolute pig's ear of the, of the BLM thing. And, and, and the, the whole squad and team should have been told immediately, listen, at the T20 World Cup, you're on a global stage. You we are South Africa. You will take a knee. You will all take a knee or, or you'll go home. This is more important than the game at the moment. And, and Boucher was part of the pig's ear process. But I, I, I just don't know that you can say that he was being racist. He, he, was, he, he was misreading the room in a spectacularly awful way. So we'll look, we'll we'll wait and see. He said that he's going to he's going to fight the charges. He believes that uh, he he is he's not racist, but I, I think that the relationship is irreparably broken down with Cricket South Africa. I mean, they've you know uh, they've they've clearly lost trust and 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 faith in him. Um, and um, look, if 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 there is mud thrown at him that should legitimately stick, then it should stick. But I do hope that undeserving mud doesn't stick um, for, for the sake of the game. 
let's move on, shall we? Um, let's go. Let's, in fact, move on to some good news. Neil Snowball, the ECB's managing director of county cricket, um, announced uh, that there will be more red ball cricket played in the middle of the season when it when it should be played. Should be played yeah. County select 11s are going to play against New Zealand and South Africa, giving an opportunity at, at a high, hopefully high intensity first class level for county players uh, to, to push for higher recognition. Let's just remind ourselves of what he said. It's obviously well documented and acknowledged that the, the recent results were extremely disappointing, which again has called for a look at uh, red ball cricket and approach to red ball cricket. And clearly, uh, the men's domestic game has got a, a significant role to play in that, in terms of making sure that we can develop the best possible test players who can then go on to aspire to be uh, the best team uh, in the world. It won't surprise you for me to hear me say that um, we don't think that county cricket has all of the answers, uh, but it certainly has some of the answers and it certainly has an important role to play uh, going forward, along with the first class counties uh, and the PCA and other stakeholders. So, so the, the reason I, I say all of that is because there is no way that this fixture schedule that we're sharing with you is going to be the answer to all of those problems. Um, it is a step forward from last year, but uh, don't expect this uh, schedule to be uh, everything that we need it to be to address some of those challenges of red ball cricket. He certainly doesn't have all the answers, but it's a very much a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, it is. And sometimes it's been missed over the course of the last two years when we've been critical of our players and we've we've missed a little bit not reading the room with the COVID bubbles but also air tours national academy trips under 19 trips you know the guys that go out there and try and bridge the gap between you know got what it's like to go on tour as a 21 year old having a good first class season to play with a select 15-11 under the England air banner or the, the national academy banner and go into another country and Educate yourself on on the whys and wherefores of, of touring life, cricket against other nations, similar level that you are at, which will be a better level than first-class cricket. So I think we've missed that as well as having players cooped up in a bubble. And now I've spoke to Paul Collingwood this week and he said countless amount of times to me that you know, some of these players, not, just, not, on, not on performance, but just on their ability to... Get out the get out their bedroom and go and be on a on a cricket field. You know, some of these kids deserve a medal for what they've gone through over the course of the last two years, and I'll back him up on that. I really do. I really do back him up on that because I've done two days quarantine in Barbados, and I tell you what, I was climbing the walls. Just didn't know what. So to try and go and perform as well after being in there for ten days, I think that would be a very very difficult thing. So I think it's a step in the right direction. The county stuff. Is it going to answer, fix the questions that need answering? No, it's not. There's still a long way to go on that. But I think first things first, they've recognised the issue and hopefully they're moving in the right direction. I did my seven days of quarantine in Sri Lanka. So one thing we had in common is we both had a view of the beach and the ocean and the breaking waves, which we were not able to go, <laughs> to go on to. It was like being on bullseye and losing and Jim Bowen says, look at what you could have won. There's a caravan. <laughs> or a... And I'm like, there it is. I can see it. I might as well be home with Ashit and looking through the window in the dark clouds because I'm, I'm desperate to go on that beach, but I'm not allowed. Well, I'm glad that yours was only two days. Um, so as we expected, Joe Root was named the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year. Uh, I, I have not read a single uh, dissenting comment um, about uh, the justification for that. I wanted to touch on the extraordinary story of former Zimbabwean captain Brendan Taylor. I don't know whether you've read uh, his four-page statement, yeah. but um, absolutely heart-rending. Um, he's checked himself in for, for drug rehabilitation. He's going to be uh, slapped with a three-and-a-half-year ban and all involvement in cricket. He has completely admitted his guilt, his naivety, his stupidity of being sucked into... Um, a sting operation by a match-fixing uh, entity that offered him cocaine, secretly videoed him taking cocaine, threatened to make the video public unless he agreed to spot fix um, he, his flee from, from the country. I mean, just an absolute 
series of disasters. Uh, he's not exonerating himself in any way. He's not uh, asking for forgiveness. It's a complete mea culpa, my fault, I was an idiot. Uh, he's, he's in a mess, he's desperately trying to keep his family together. And I suppose, Harmi, my, my question is, he's gonna be stopped from working, he can't do anything else. He played his international cricket from the age of 17. I do hope the cricket family throws its arms around him. Yeah, it, it's a hard one from having sympathy for him because he's a human being, but also having the element of making sure every single 18-year-old in the country, in the world that even contemplates going into the game of cricket reads that statement. You know, forget the other side of the match fixing and the drug taking and everything out. This this statement was you know, the whole nine yards of what emotion that you could get lured into in the dark world of match fixing. So a bit like when Chris Lewis came out of, of prison and, you know, Jason Ratcliffe, probably for me, one of the best guys that's ever been at the Professional Cricketers Association, helped being a former teammate of his. Mark Butcher, who I'm out here with now, you know, they got Chris Lewis into a, into a way which helped him re- rehabilitate himself name-wise in the game and be there to help and learn for others. Possibly that's what might need help from for Taylor, Brendan Taylor, when he, he comes out of that rehabilit- uh, rehabilitation clinic. That the cricket family, yes, punishes him for what's happened, but also realisation of what the human being's gone through and hopefully a lesson to others. And he can be a beacon of strength to other people promoting the, in the game that this is unfortunately where you can get to if you just make one wrong choice. And it is. You made one wrong choice. All of a sudden it becomes two wrong choices, three wrong choices. And you're, you're going, you're going fast down that roller coaster that you cannot stop yourself. So I had a, I, I, I had a, a lump in my throat when I read the statement. I really did. Um, and I was torn between sympathy and probably empathy, but, I think it's something that uh, a lesson that a lot of young cricketers coming into the game could learn a huge for, and maybe Brendan Taylor in time can be there to tell it to others to help make sure that nobody goes through what horrific times he must have gone through as a person. And finally, um, I always like to end on a bright note, but um, I I can't. I'm going to end on a on the head shaking bewildering story of the week there's been further development as you know in the um in the government inquiry into um, racism in cricket following uh, the uh, azim rafiq story and um the chair of middlesex county cricket club testified basically that afro-caribbean sports people prefer football and asian sports lovers prefer academia and to study. It was the most staggering generalisation I think I've ever heard. I mean, with just when we thought we were making a step in the right direction, stop perpetuating stereotypes. Thank you very much, Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, as always, you can download the podcast from your following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And a final reminder that you can hear the remaining three T20s between the West Indies and England exclusively live, ball by ball, here on TalkSport 2 with the next game on Wednesday evening. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, to review the series and discuss the other big stories of the week. This has been the Cricket Collective for this week on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. 
If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 